Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. We're going to have Jason Capono, former Toronto Raptor, longtime NBA vet, joining us in a couple of minutes' time. And uh, we'll dive into All-Star Weekend, some of his memories, three-point contests, the preparation that Fred Van Vliet and others might be going through to get ready for that as we're going to talk to one of the all-time greats in terms of three-point shooting, Jason Capone. I haven't talked to him, um, well, certainly since he retired back in, in 2013-2014. I, I know I haven't spoken to him since then. Uh, I'm trying to think the last time, Jonesy, I would have seen him in person. He had, a, he had a brief stint in the preseason in 2014 with Golden State before officially retiring. And before that, he had gone overseas to, uh, I believe, Panathinaikos, uh, before trying to come back to the NBA. So it's been quite some time, and I'm looking forward to chatting with Jason Capono, a guy that I'm sure, I'm sure, has been hitting the links because he was doing that even during his playing days, and he was a heck of a golfer and had a lot of uh, friends who were on the tour as well. And I know I'm, I'm, not the, uh, I'm not the golfer, let alone the aficionado and fan that you are. I enjoy the game. I like the game. I am a fan, but not to the extent that you are. And I can remember even back then, a decade-plus ago, you trying to pick Capono's brains more so about golf than basketball. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we're, they're both gone, and, you know, we're, we're not really uh, telling, telling tales out of school because we've told this story before. Um, on the Raptor plane that, you know, the guys always like to have magazines and stuff to read before, uh, in the, before in those days, you know, you could get on the Wi-Fi and, and be on your phone or your computer. Um, and uh, Jose, Jose Calderon made the comment once, why is every magazine on this plane about golf? <laughs> do you remember that one, E? Yes, he made I the do. Comment. I do. Jose, Jose said, every book, golf. And he looked at Jason Capono and Sam Mitchell, who were both golfers. And it's like, I was kind of enjoying reading Golf Digest on the plane and Golf World and, uh, you know, the Score Golf Magazine. I was, I was kind of enjoying reading those. So, yeah, but Jason, an accomplished golfer, a very accomplished golfer. And I remember at the, uh, uh, the U.S. Open in 2008, uh, walking the course and uh, at Torrey Pines and, stretching my neck to get a look at Tiger Woods amongst the throng, four or five deep, and thinking, man, I wish I was taller. I got to get up on a hill here. And I look a few, few, about four or five people to my left. I see this person like... I think Jonesy just dropped out. He he hinted at it earlier. I think he sent the bad mojo, the bad vibes in the first hour of the show when he when he came on thinking that he was gone, and he wasn't gone. Well, now he is gone. He is gone, so he's going to have to pick up that story. We'll, we'll call that a tease. We'll call that a tease from Jonesy. When he comes back into the mix, uh, he can pick that up again. Uh, as we were talking, kind of reliving some, some of the glory days for the Raptors and uh, the days with Jason Capono and the love of golf on the uh, Raptors roster. And that's something that translates, I'm sure it translates to most teams, especially with the popularity of the game, uh, the golf game, that is, um, of, of late. And of late being, what, 10, 20, 30 years? But, I mean, think about even most recently with Kyle Lowry and how much of a, a, an aficionado and fan he was and regularly golfing. And you see him now in a lot of these sort of celebrity tours and pro-ams and whatnot. There are a lot of very good golfers around the league. In fact, I remember uh, DeMar DeRozan used to bust the chops of, of Kyle Lowry and others, like thinking, man, golf? What are you talking about? And now I see this offseason, DeMar DeRozan out on the golf course as well and starting to learn the game. So it's certainly uh, something that a lot of people 
people, uh, not just pro athletes, but people in general are trying to pick up because it's become kind of like the the new uh, the new boardroom is the golf course. It's better to have a conversation or a meeting out on the course for a few hours than it is to sit in some stuffy boardroom or something. So uh, nice to see a lot of these athletes trying to cross over into other sports and trying new things as well. And so many of them uh, don't look the part, but many of them as well look the part because of just the the natural athleticism uh coordination that they have in their dna but jonesy you you i i said you jinxed yourself because you you thought you crapped out in the first hour and you didn't well this time you did so you were kind of mid-story uh, on the heels of the jose calderon and, and talking about the books and the magazines and whatnot and i i i don't know if you want to pick it up or or, or move on from sure. where we were <laughs> no I'll, I'll just finish it saying that i was at the 2008 U.S. Open, and I was having difficulty uh, seeing the group that I was following that had number one, two, three in the world, and that was Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and Adam Scott. You couldn't get near the group, and I'm looking, you know, around, and to my right, about, you know, like 50 yards, 60 yards down, I see this head sticking above everybody else. He's on a little bit of a hill, but he's obviously a tall dude, and he's looking, I think, and by the way, separated at birth, Jason Capono, Novak Djokovic. <clears throat> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. So I look down and I'm like thinking like, well, that's not Novak Djokovic with Wimbledon coming up uh, in another week or so. Um, and, I, and I yell down after the, the shots are hit and we start walking down the fairway. I yell down, JK. And he turns and looks and gives me a signal. And he was following the group, and he had a good spot. So I never caught up to him in the crowd. But uh, a noted, a noted golfer, a noted golfer. And we, we used to joke on the plane. Jose would joke, "Why is every magazine about golf?" Because uh, both Jason Capono, Sam Mitchell, there were a few guys that were were getting into it at that time. So, uh, and I kind of enjoyed reading the golf magazines on the plane. This was before you could get on the internet, the the in-flight Wi-Fi to to look at stuff on your phone or your computer. So it was kind of relaxing in that way. And it was, it was, I was trying to help my gamey. It is the new see, boardroom. I'm trying to help my game. See, well, there you go. There you go. Cause then that, that maybe speaks to why I'm not very good still. And you're much better. And why I know all of these TV shows and you know, nothing because I was too busy just watching movies and TV shows to pass the time. And you were reading golf magazines and golf books and whatnot. So, so shame on me. I can tell you lots about breaking bad, but I can't tell you about which way the ball breaks or because I've got no clue how to read a green or how to fix my shot. Uh, it's just broken, period. It has been for a long time. Uh, so we'll talk to Jason Capono in a couple of minutes' time. Um, let's let's look back to the NBA last night on a couple of fronts and maybe start with Rick Carlisle. Um, with due respect to the uh, to the Indiana Pacers, I don't know if we have to talk about the game necessarily. It was a win for the Pacers. They beat the Wizards 113-108, uh, and Indiana um, – sits 20 games below 500, and they are nine games out of the 10th seed. So again, due respect, don't know if we need to talk about the result as much as kind of a funny moment after the game when, um, well, Rick Carlisle was commenting on Tristan Thompson. Well, it was, uh, it was fun while it lasted. He's, uh, he's going to be joining a different team. He's going to be waived tomorrow, and he'll be joining the... Uh, uh, a contending team in the East, uh, a little bit north. If anybody wants to tweet, starts with a C and ends with an O. Um, but we thanked him for you know what he's brought for the last uh, you know six or seven days. He brought a high level of professionalism 
and uh, he's done a really good job. Chicago. If anybody didn't get that, yeah. yeah. Scott. Yeah. Um, I don't mind announcing it because, you know, it's going to happen. And uh, what the heck, you know? Nothing wrong with speaking the truth. It's, it's, it's a rare instance where you get a... You get to thank a guy, you know, um, in, in the presence of his teammates. And these guys had a, have, a, have an awful lot of respect for who he is, what he's accomplished in the league, you know, former starter on the championship team, all that kind of stuff. And he was, he played very, very big tonight. You know what I like about that, Jonesy? And I don't know, maybe I'm making too much of something that's fairly small, I suppose. The fact that, first of all, I like the, the humor, period. Um, but I like the fact that Tristan Thompson, unlike other players, went to his new team. And I, like, I, part of me was laughing and, and almost looking like, like with a wry grin thinking, really? Like you're going to thank a guy for the professionalism he brought for six, seven days? But then I checked myself in the moment and thought, no, that is something to thank because he actually went to the new team. He got traded from Sacramento to Indiana. Knowing, thinking, hoping, assuming that he might be waived and have a chance to go somewhere else to close out the season, but yet still went to said new team and not only just went there and maybe stayed in street clothes awaiting the end results. No, played. Even on the day he's being waived or the day before he's being waived, comes off the bench and puts up 17 points and six rebounds in 21 minutes, helping his new team to the victory, knowing that he's waking up tomorrow to be waived and sign with Chicago. Like, hey, the best example, and I'm not trying to throw the guy under the bus because, again, it sounds like there were personal factors and everything else too. Goran Dragic, forget about even Toronto. Did he go to San Antonio? Did he suit up with his new team? Did he try and help that young squad for six, seven days before he got waived and got a chance to sign somewhere else? No. So I give Tristan Thompson a ton of credit and, and kudos to Rick Carlisle for taking that moment, I think, to, to give him a little bit of love for, for thanking him for the brief moment in time that he actually was a pacer and actually put on the uniform and actually helped secure a victory or two. Um, another game last night that I wanted to uh, make mention of, and we talked about it briefly, uh, myself and Jonesy, earlier in the show, uh, and, and briefly touched on it as well with Lionel Hollins, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, they get the victory over the Utah Jazz as uh, LeBron James has a fine performance, certainly in the fourth quarter, 33 points, eight rebounds, six assists for LeBron in 40 minutes of action. They beat the Jazz by five, 106-101. In the loss, Donovan Mitchell had 37, but in the victory... Uh, that the the uh, Lakers had Anthony Davis hurt and is sidelined. Um, I guess we'll get a status report on AD uh, MRI X-rays negative uh, for for Davis, uh, but we'll get more of a status report I guess after All Star break in terms of how long he ultimately could be sidelined from the Lakers lineup. Give you more on him in a second, but LeBron himself not a hundred percent. In fact, uh, a couple of days ago, even before last night's game, he was addressing his own ankle issues and sort of playing through pain right now. Here's LeBron. Uh, well, it's the same as my ankle uh, when I had the ankle sprain last year. Or, yeah, I think that was last year. The only way to be back to full strength is real rest, and I don't have the luxury of having rest. So we have to wait to the offseason. Well, certainly no rest at all, considering he played 40 minutes uh, last night. 
Again, 33 points for LeBron James in that victory over the Utah Jazz. Um, Anthony Davis uh, hurt in the ball game last night, uh, as I mentioned a couple moments ago. And, and listen, I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, kick a guy while he's down, uh, literally and figuratively. But he's a guy that Jones and I have discussed a number of times. He has just been snake bitten. Like, you know, the, the line that, that, that Jonesy often uses is leading the league yeah. in MRIs. Uh, he has just been snake bitten throughout his career. Can't seem to stay healthy for a long stretch of games. Uh, ended up injuring his right ankle last night. Uh, it is sprained. He's going to receive treatment over the All-Star break and then be reevaluated when the Lakers uh, return after the break. And for most teams, for most teams, they've got seven, eight days. Like for the Raptors, they played last night in Minnesota. They don't play again until next Friday. So this break that used to be kind of three, four days and then boom right back at it, it was negotiated with the, the new CBA a number of years ago with the Players Association. Now these guys get a full week, sometimes a week plus off. So hopefully that will be good news uh, for Anthony Davis and for the Lakers, uh, that, that extended period, and maybe a chance to rest up that ankle. All right, Jonesy's back into the mix. Hopefully, Jonesy, the line is strong, and uh, we're good to go here because we bring into the conversation right now uh, NBA veteran, longtime NBA, or former uh, Toronto Raptor, and one of the greatest three-point shooters in NBA history, Jason Capono. JK, how you doing today? What's up, Eric? Uh, how we doing? Doing well, man. I was, I was, I was, I, and yeah, Jonesy's there as well. We were, we, we were kind of Jonesy's theorizing. Jonesy's on the golf course. Jonesy's out there. <laughs> what up? Brush shoes out in the snow. Pissing what up, Bubs? What up, Bubs? How we doing, doing Bubba? Good to hear from you. I'm good, man. Good to are hear you walking, from you. Are you walking the course at the Genesis? Are you? That's your. That's your. Uh, that's your stomping grounds. Are you? Are you walking the course at Riviera? I mean, I wish I was, but unfortunately, I got two sets of twins, and then I got a dog. So I'm actually uh, walking my dog on the trail here in Austin, Texas. So times have changed. Well, I, I tell you wow. what—that's you, wow. you've got you've got the you've got the best phone line connection right now because you sound like you're in a home studio. If you're outside walking a dog on a trail, man, I want your phone or phone plan right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, exactly. You you might you might have just answered part of my question, Jason. Before we get into anything else, I was going to ask you. Like I I knew about four kids. I honestly didn't know it was two sets of twins. I knew it was four kids. So my goodness, uh, you know, God bless you, two sets of twins. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but what that like what have you been up to? Yeah, well, no, I, just a little bit. It little sounds bit. a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. Hey, congratulations, but I don't want to trade places with you. I don't envy that. There's, there's a little I bit of truth to that. that. <laughs> there's a little bit of truth to that. So what, what have you been up to, to uh, though? Other than like man, family I, life, like what's what's been keeping you busy? Family life, coaching. Uh, it's my twin boys play, you know, all sports. So right now they're currently doing uh, baseball. So we had our baseball second grade draft. Uh, we're finishing up flag football this week. Uh, they just started soccer, and uh, I try to take them out to play a tad bit of golf. And then my daughters uh, play a little bit of basketball, so we just finished the season last week. Uh, they're going to start uh, volleyball next week, and then they also dance. So um, I just got done with the dad's dance uh, with my daughters last weekend. That's wow. great. That's JK, great. what's You're the index man. now? You don't, you, you, yeah, you, what's the index, man? You, you, you probably don't get to hit it much. I really don't. So, yeah, I mean – it's a very stale one, and it's easy to lose money each one. So, a ton of my friends, anytime <laughs> just... it gets, anytime it gets towards the, the end of the month, 
and we're short, you know, like a thousand dollars. They dial me up and say, "JK, how about we go out and play some golf? I need to, uh, <laughs> I need to make some money." I'm like, "Oh gosh, talk, <laughs> talk oh, about a guinea pig! Gracious. Oh man, sacrificial lamb over here." So yeah, so, uh, so Jason. Let me, let me ask you this. In the, in the midst of uh, four kids and coaching five different sports, it sounds like, and, and, and the busy life that you have, I'm assuming you still keep an eye as a fan on the NBA and, 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 and a lot of teams, probably a lot of your former teams. What, what or who has intrigued you or, or sort of piqued your interest this season in the association? Uh, to be honest, like, I don't really get a chance to, to watch much, uh, but I did actually take my uh, I took my kids down to see the Heat uh, play the rescheduled, uh, the rescheduled game at the uh, Spurs. So we drove down uh, to San Antonio. So um, you know, I caught up with a bunch of guys, you know, down there, Coach Spo and them. Uh, but yeah, like, I was actually shocked to hear that the Heat were uh, in the number one seat. And then as I was talking to the PR guys, and they said like five teams are all you know, like two or three games, uh, you know, uh, is within like the top five seeds. So I was actually shocked to hear like, how balanced it is. J- Jason, I, I, with All-Star Weekend coming up and uh, our guy Fred Van Vliet in Toronto here in that contest, you, uh, you won that thing. Um, something I've always wondered, how different is it? Like people say, well, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a shooting thing. How much practice yeah. did you do? I got two questions. How much practice did you do shooting off the rack? And does it matter what side of the rack you take it on? Is it is it or would it be easier for somebody to actually pass you the ball rather than pick them off the rack? And then secondly, Jason, you were a guy that you you didn't really uh, you weren't a big elevation guy on your shot. You you kind of caught oh, thank it. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Jump in there. <laughs> What you're no, saying is that I couldn't man. jump. Okay, thank you. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I did. Come on, J.K. I didn't say that. I, I uh, I'm, I'm okay. spinning it for you. You were you were efficient. You were efficient. Does yeah. that help <laughs> as you progress through two, three rounds in this thing? Yeah. So uh, first of first of all, the question is yes. It is very different. It's easier to catch and shoot just because that's something you practice day in and day out. That's how you typically shoot. You know, game like shots. So. I mean, it's kind of hard to start practicing too early to shoot off the rack because then, you know, like that doesn't help you when, you know, like you're playing in a game. So I would I would typically only practice maybe like a week before and, you know, try to maybe get like five or seven rounds in or something like that. I wouldn't, you know, try to do too much. And then part B of that question is, I mean, I usually like to start uh, and have the rack on, on my left side, right? So. Since I'm a right-handed shooter, it's easier like to pick it up and then just go straight to your shot. I think it's harder to go crossbody. So like you start on your left side and then bring it up and over to your right side to your shot pocket and then shoot. So I would assume that Fred would probably want to start, you know, on the deep left baseline and then just you know kind of go around counterclockwise and keep the rack on his right side. And then part two, question two would be yes, I think it's easier. For a non-jump shooter, uh, someone who can't jump like me, to basically shoot a, a set shot, right? I think if you look, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, throughout the history of everyone who has won it, I don't think there's really been like a jump shooter. I mean, outside of like Ray Allen, I mean, I can't really think of like many guys, you know, who have won. Right, Bird isn't a jump shooter. Uh, you know, Craig Hodges isn't a jump shooter. 
you know, I for sure am not a jump shooter. I think Steph won it right like once or twice. Steph isn't, you know, isn't a jump shooter just because it takes a lot of energy. So you're getting 25 shots up in 60 seconds, and, it, you know, so that's a, what, a shot every, like, two point, you know, 2.1 seconds. So, you know, you've you, you got to get your shot off quick. And then it's a tad bit tougher because you got the crowd, you got the noise, you got the lights, you got cameras, you got refs and stuff. So, you know, it's a, you know, it's a different background to a shooting. So, so Jason, I got to tell you, I've got your back a little bit here. When, when Jonesy talks about maybe not being a shooter or not being able to jump much, he did just yeah. say on a couple of our broadcasts a couple of days ago, he was talking about Nikola Jokic, and he said Jokic yeah. couldn't even jump over a phone book. So he didn't say that about you. He didn't say that about you. So, so that to me it means you're at least a tick above Jokic. Yeah, I don't think so because like, I usually told that I couldn't even jump over two rich crackers and a phone book is probably <laughs> yeah, it's thicker than that. So a couple of rich crackers. I can eat a lot of those now though. So you know what? I tried to jump it over over the rich crackers and now I just consume them. <laughs> so Jason, let, let me ask you, you're talking about the, the, the all star weekend and all of the distractions, the lights and the clock and the, the, the fans and everything else. How do you or can you even prep for that then? Because i got to assume it's different than a regular season game, even a playoff game. This is a spectacle. This is a moment, and it's just yeah. you alone. So how do you prep for that, or can you? Yeah, it's extremely difficult. So, you know, and the good thing for Fred, though, is like Fred's played in the playoffs. He's won a championship. You know, he's been around, you know, all the conference, you know, championships, all the playoff games where you have, you know, all the – all the extra media, all the people on the court, all the pregame, postgame, like all that. So, you know, that definitely helps. Uh, I think it's harder for guys who play in a small market or guys who haven't played in the playoffs just because you're going to have camera dudes like out there, you know, like following you and the referees by you. You got cheerleaders dancing and yelling. You got the fans. You got the racks out there. You got the music. You got your teammates courtside. So I was in the Fred's going to have guys yelling, yelling at them. Uh, you know, like sitting, you know, courtside. So, um, yeah, it's it's hard to practice for, but it's more so that you know, like Fred just, Fred just has to concentrate on trying to find a rhythm and a pace. You know, like shoot that. Typically, guys kind of start off slower, and then all of a sudden, like they glance up and, and they have like two racks to go with like twelve seconds. And so then you have like a third of your balls where you're trying to rush. So it's important to kind of set your pace. And then keep that pace like throughout versus, you know, start slow, you know, kind of ease into it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, dang, I got, you know, like eight balls left and I got 12 seconds. And then obviously it's kind of hard to rush, and, you know, and to make those shots. Jason, after winning this thing, did you get treated differently around the league when you actually stepped onto the court? I mean, people know you're a three point shooter and they defend you a certain way. And then you go to All-Star Weekend and win the three-point contest. Did, did the scouting report, like, change? Like, hey, we knew this guy could shoot. Now we really need to be aware of him. How, how much did it change after you won that thing when you hit the floor? Yeah, the, uh, so a guy that I played with uh, who played on another team said the scouting report changed to where they said you must guard him pregame because there's two ball racks, you know, like outside there. So he's extremely good at taking balls off of those racks. So we need to guard him then. And we need to guard him at halftime, too, because the ball racks are back out there. He's extremely good at shooting off of ball racks. Yeah. 
I'm totally kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, the publicity helps, right? And then, you know, it, it's a fun experience. But, yeah, you know, like, it's just good to be, you know, it's good to be in that environment and to, you know, do well. It definitely helps your confidence. So, you know, especially, you know, like for Fred, you know, if you go out there and you do well, then you come back and then post break, like, there's only 25 games. So it's time, you know, to hone in to concentrate and then to make that deep, uh, you know, playoff push, you know, trying to get your seating as high as possible. So I remember when we came back from break, you know, I shot the ball well, and, you know, and I had my confidence high. Speaking with Jason Capono, Jason, I'm, I'm going to throw you the, the softball question, but it's one that I know fans love to hear as well and, and just kind of reminiscing and memories and whatnot. When you think back on your time with Toronto, uh, I mean, it, it maybe wasn't an extended period, but but what stands out for you most, whether it be about the team, the organization, your teammates? Like, do you have a memory of, or, or two that kind of piques your your interest more than any others? Yeah, I mean, it was a great two year run there. Toronto was awesome, man. I, uh, I mean, like the number one thing was just like the passionate fan base. I mean, I remember getting there in my first year. I think I signed in like July, and then training camp I think opened up in September, but. I mean, any place you went, you know, people were, like, so excited for the season. They didn't know every player there. You know, like, they know your stats. They know the schedule. Um, so, you know, like, the passion of the fan base, that turned out was incredible. And then our uh, – then my second memory was our playoff push there in the uh, – in the in our first year. So that was, what, 07, 08 when we got matched up against the uh, Orlando Magic. We made like a late run there. Uh, I think we got our seating up on the last game. We were in the locker room, and we were waiting on there to figure out if we were going to either be, I think, either the five seed or the seven or eight seed. And then somebody, so we won our last game. Somebody else lost, and that bumps up. And then we uh, started out on the road against the Magic instead of playing like the number two or three seed. So it was a good run there. Uh, it was a great team too. I still stay in touch with TJ Ford. I talked to him. Uh, but, yeah, it was just a great team. Jason, listen, man, it was great catching up with you. Great hearing from you. Hope uh, hope you stay well and uh, the family stays well, and uh, maybe we'll look forward to chatting with you at some point uh, again down the road. All the best, man. Yep, great. And then uh, Thanks, best of luck to Fred. Yeah, definitely. Tell Fred definitely. to go out there and, yeah, and take care of business. Thanks, Jason. All right, guys. Take care, man. Thanks, J.K. There is Jason Capono, former Toronto Raptor, NBA veteran, played with the Cavs, the Bobcats, the Heat, the Raptors, 76ers, and the Lakers, and a uh, champion with the Heat. And uh, as you just mentioned there, a couple of years with the Raptors. And, uh, you know, one of those guys that uh, Toronto went out and, 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 and tapped on the shoulder, Jonesy, they were, they were hoping for big things. And, you know, he played, he played well at times, but probably not at the level that obviously the organization was hoping for in terms of the impact overall. And I don't say that negatively. It's just it, it, it ultimately didn't work out. But yet at the same time was still a guy that I think made a difference in a lot of games for the Raptors, as he just noted, still a guy that was a part of a playoff team that had higher aspirations but ran into a tough Orlando team, and he was a part of that. So um, I, I, I think that people maybe too often get caught up in the number or the amount of money as opposed to, well, but hold on, if he was making less money, would you still be saying that, or would you be thinking, no, he actually played okay, he actually had a decent run, he had some games, or he, he had an impact, and I think that's maybe a better way, a better lens, especially when you look back now, and the money's all long gone, and say, all right, he was still a guy 
that was a player that helped that team get to the postseason and I think also helped that team put the spotlight on the organization a little bit more because of things like All-Star Weekend and three-point champion and things like that where you're out there wearing that Raptor jersey and you're putting it on the spotlight uh, you know, during the All-Star festivities and whatnot. And that helps, I think, the growth of your team as much as playoff appearances and everything else does too because it just puts you in the, in the forefront that much more for the fans and for what do we often talk about, the national media and whatnot. It puts you top of mind and that helps your team. It does. It does. And it's, I guess it's the visibility, um, as, as you talk about, you know, uh, putting you and the team in the public eye. Like, I think it's great that Fred's there because as we talked about, how many of our colleagues are sitting down and watching Raptor games, Toronto, Minnesota, Toronto, New Orleans, like how many are watching wire to wire? Oh, you can bet, uh, you know, everybody will watch when they play the Lakers or, or, you know, when they when they when they play the Heat, people will be watching that, and I think that's what's probably uh, garnered Toronto a little bit of respect. And it's fine to fly under the radar if you're Toronto; it's just fine to do that. But you know, you, now you know why guys want to perform on the big stage. Now you know why they want to play well when they have a game on TNT or NBA TV. Not that they don't all the time, but they know sometimes there's some eyeballs that aren't there, and uh, they'll get a little notoriety if they play well. That being said. I don't think Nick Nurse and this team, especially guys that have played well and, and are, are good players, I don't think they care. I think they'd rather have people not see them coming in and walk up and, and, and sucker punch them in a game and, or a series and take them down and have them say, man, where did that come from? I, I don't think it matters to this team at all. I'm trying to remember, Jonesy, if Capono was the other person in this story. Um... I'm trying to think if it was if it was because it was 2007 where the Raptors uh, had training camp overseas in Spain and Italy. Italy, yeah, right. It was both, wasn't it? I, I believe they yeah. they, they did yeah. they kind of split it up and did both. So I'm yeah. trying to remember in real time here the the. I know the one player, and I'll say his name in a second, but I'm trying to remember if the other one was – I don't think it was. I think it was actually Chris Humphreys, I believe. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if Hump's going to join us on the show at any point, um, but Luke Jackson was the other player. If you recall, Luke Jackson had a cup of coffee with the Raptors. And I don't remember if it was – I, you know what? I don't want to even say the name. I won't even say the name because I, I, I don't know if they told the story out of school. So I don't want to get them in trouble. I'll put myself in trouble if this is a story that I'm not supposed to say. But whatever. We weren't there. We weren't in, in, in Spain and Italy. That's one I was hoping to go to. It's like, oh, every year, yeah, you guys are going to training camp. Sure, you cover training camp. Oh, it's in Edmonton. It's in Montreal. It's in Vancouver, which I love visiting all those cities. Yep, no problem. What about back in the day when it was in Barrie, way back in the day? Yep, you're there. Or at Erie Community College just over the border in Buffalo? Yep, you're there. Brock University, yep, you're there. Spain, Italy, no, 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 you're not going there. <laughs> like, no, no, you're not going to Spain and Italy, not happening. But anyways, I believe it was Luke Jackson and Chris Humphreys, and this was relayed to me by someone that was there uh, that, that heard this firsthand. So, but again, I don't want them to get in trouble if they weren't supposed to share the story. But the story goes that uh, upon visiting, uh, I believe, the Colosseum in, in uh, Italy, in Rome, 
I believe it was the Coliseum. And if it wasn't the Coliseum, then it was one of the many, you know, historical um, uh, spots in, in, in Rome. And Luke Jackson and Chris Humphreys go into the Coliseum. Again, I think it was the Coliseum. And one of them, I don't know if it was like a brick or just a pebble, but one of them tried to take a souvenir, basically, <laughs> and was thinking that they would walk out of the of the Coliseum with a piece of history. And I, you know what? I will stop short of, so I, I guess I'm killing one of the two guys, but I won't say which one said it so that there's a little bit of safety in that one said to the other, no, 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 you can't do that. And the other is like, what are you like? Oh yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, that wouldn't be right. I mean, first of all, it's, it's stealing and man, we could get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, 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 but no, no, no. They've got metal detectors when you leave. You'll for sure get caught. <laughs> I remember hearing the story. I was like, I, I, I was like, pardon, hold on a second. They oh, said, what? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. The two of them were more concerned about the fact that, not that they shouldn't necessarily do it because you're stealing, like, iconic history. Even, again, if it was, like, a, a the tiniest pebble, you're taking a piece of the Coliseum. It was, no, they have metal detectors, so you're going to get caught. And I've told that story a few times, and there are a few people I've told it to, like, what's so funny about that? And like, dude, they're taking a rock. They're worried about metal detectors. Oh, and it goes right over a few people's head. But I don't know. Maybe I, I find that story funnier than some people do. But, I, it, again, it was Luke Jackson and Chris Humphreys. It was not Capono. But Capono was, was, was on that team. Uh, and I'm still a little bit salty, I guess, Jonesy, that we were not uh, on that trip to go to training camp. Uh, over to Spain and Italy. But you look back at that team, 07-08, Chris Bosch, Jose Calderon, Carlos Delfino, TJ Ford, Anthony Parker, uh, Rasha Nesterovich, Jamario Moon, you know, Hump, Joey Graham, Andrea Bargnani. Like, is, I mean, we're not talking championship, but that's not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. And, and, and certainly that was at a point where the Raptors were, were kind of going – heavy or, or starting to go heavier on the international players, which ultimately did work for them uh, for a brief moment in time because, you know, later on you throw another player into the mix in Jorge Garbajosa as well. Um, but that team, as I just kind of rhymed out there and, and reeled off on paper, that's not a bad team at all. Uh, just unfortunately in that era, the Raptors had a couple of cups of coffee um, at the postseason, and that was it. And I think that, that you know, a lot of those teams in that era – during that Chris Bosch era, even if it's fair to, and I'm not trying to label it or put it all on him, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in his seven years in Toronto, Bosch made the postseason twice. And I, I think there were a number of good, not necessarily great, but good teams, but teams that were right on the brink or they were right there or they should have been better and for whatever reason just weren't able to punch through. Yeah, Bosch, I think you said it at one time, had like 77 teammates he played with in his time in Toronto. So they, they you know, they tried to find him people. It didn't work. Um, but, you know, I remember that team. And it was it was a an Atlantic division, the first one that, that the Raptors won. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, I remember Sam Mitchell and all the people on his staff, Jim Todd and all, they were, they were talking about after a slow start, it's okay, we're getting better, we're getting better. And people would... People would kind of roll their eyes and go, yeah, of course, what's a coach supposed to say? And I remember uh, they, they lost to the Nets in the first round. I remember winning, the Raptors won a game, uh, them winning a game in Orlando. 
and it was just around the break in December, around Christmas time. And Jonesy, and let me cut you off for one a, second. Let me cut you off for one second. Keep yeah. that story. To be clear, the, yeah. the team you're talking about was 06-07. That's when they went 47-35. Yeah, the team that I was just yeah. discussing, you know, coming, coming out of the training camp in 07, that was the, the team that finished at 500 the following year that didn't hit the expectations. And with that talent on that roster that I was just speaking of. But the year before that you're discussing, yes, that was the one that, that kind of burst on the scene and boom, got that first division title. But sorry to, sorry to cut your story off. I, I just want to make sure yeah, the audience no, is no. clear on, I, the, on the years. Right. And, and that's what set the bar for that disappointment the next year. Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah. that year that they won the Atlantic Division, you know, that, that, and Capono came that summer after they won the Atlantic Division and it was the playoff run that he talked about with us was the, the second year. I remember that. And, and Sam Mitchell and Jim Todd talking about the team and we're, you know, we're getting better, we're getting better, and people are kind of rolling their eyes. And then all of a sudden, they win a game in Orlando near Christmas time and... You and I getting on the plane going, wow, they, I mean, Orlando's a good team. I mean, Orlando was, they were built for championship in those years with Dwight Howard and, and Richard Lewis and all those guys and, and, and Stan Van Gundy coaching them. And, and they eventually did get to a finals and lost to Kobe Bryant. And we kind of looked at each other on the plane and went, that was a really good, that was a really good win. And from that point, they won more games in the NBA till the end of the season than anybody else in the East. And they ended up with the three seed in the playoffs and eventually lost to a veteran New Jersey team with, with, with Vince Carter and Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson and people like that. But, you know, that kind of set the expectations. And, you know, as we know, when the fans and the team gets a taste of the good life and the, organ the organization gets the playoffs, there's no turning back. You that genie's not going back in the bottle. So um, I, I, I just remember those years fondly and, and how hard the team played at that time. All right, we're going to step aside for a quick break. Come back with more talk on uh, hey memories on the Raptors, but also look ahead to this weekend uh, for Fred Van Vliet and the three point shootout, the All Star Weekend in general. Lots to discuss as we continue on Smith and Jones on Sportsnet Five Ninety The Fan. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Raptors coming off their victory last night over the Minnesota Timberwolves, rolling into All-Star Weekend now with the victory. Uh, and better certainly than a three-game losing streak, which would have been the case had they not come back to beat the Timberwolves as Toronto had dropped two straight, a tough one against the Nuggets, a blowout at the hands of the Pelicans, but the Raptors getting back on track with the win over Minnesota last night. A couple other notable games in the association. Detroit snapping Boston's eight-game winning streak as the Pistons win 112-111. Brooklyn has now won two in a row as they win the Battle of the Big Apple, uh, knocking off the Knicks 111-106. We already talked earlier about the Lakers, their victory over the Jazz, and Denver beating Golden State. The Chicago Bulls with another win. 125-118 over the Sacramento Kings as the Bulls now are tied with Miami for the number one record in the Eastern Conference. And how about DeMar DeRozan? 38 points last yep. night in the win over the Kings. Now seven straight games going for 30-plus, going for 35-plus, excuse me, on 50-plus percent shooting. Jonesy, his last seven games, 45, 38, 
36, 35, 38, 40, and 38. An incredible run that DeRozan is on. And I retweeted this earlier, maybe about 30 minutes ago. Kevin Durant sending out a tweet, a little bit of love through social media. Thank you for setting a great example and playing the game with supreme skill, DeMar DeRozan. E, I always say this. Um, there's the record book, and then there's the Wilt record book. Since Wilt Chamberlain, always the qualifier. And, and uh, you know, DeMar is, he's broken a Wilt record. That's hard to do in the record book. And people that aren't considering him in their top three right now for MVP, as well as Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and, and some of these guys have been playing. Look at what he's doing, and his team's in first place. Like this run, Eric, is reminiscent to me of the Kobe run when he had that string of, like, you know, 40-point games. Remember that? When it, he, Kobe, mm-hmm. Kobe had a year there where he was just – he was just massacring people. And DeMar's doing it, as you said, the shout-out from Kevin Durant on social media. I mean, it, it, like, it, it's, it's old-fashioned. He's just cooking people in the mid-range uh, with footwork. Um, you know, he's not necessarily depending on threes. He's getting to the free-throw line. And it's just, it, 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 he's not exactly blowing them away with quickness or, or, or speed. He just understands how to play and it's it's the it's the ultimate right now and if you don't have him in your top three right now like i know we had jared greenberg on a couple days ago he says he's in his top five who's playing better right now like honestly who's playing better like joel and beats team got drilled the other night by about six thousand points yeah just a blip but i i just think people have been overlooking demar this last little while by a whole bunch and and uh He'd get he'd get my one number one vote right now for MVP. Really? Okay. I, I'm not yeah. saying you're I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong or, or that I disagree. I'm just I'm 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 going through. All right, I'm looking at the standings right now here, Jonesy. Uh, it, I mean, listen, you can't argue with number one. The Bulls are there because, uh, in fact, I, I I misspoke and and I apologize. I said tied with the Heat. They, they moved a half game ahead, so they are the number one seed in sole possession of that number one spot. Um, there's nobody else in the East right now outside of Embiid that I would say is pushing DeMar. Because even Giannis, having a hell of a season, but I would still put DeMar ahead. So Embiid's the only one I'm putting in the conversation. When I look at the West, as great as the Suns are playing, I can't say that I'm giving Chris Paul or Devin Booker more of a nudge than the other. And I don't think more of a nudge than DeRozan or Embiid which might sound crazy, as great as the Suns have been. As great as Steph Curry's been, no. Ja Morant, no. Luka, no. It's that six-seed Nuggets without Jamal Murray, without multiple players, ravaged by injuries this year, and the historic, iconic numbers that Jokic continues to put up. I think I'd put him a tick ahead of Embiid. So to me, as I as I talk this out in real time, letting my brain do the... Uh, do the, the smoke show, I think it's a two-horse race right now with Jokic and DeRozan. And honestly, Jonesy, if you say number one for DeMar, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight you on it. 
But I think those are the two top dogs. There's still 25 games left, still plenty of time for Embiid or anybody else to thrust them back towards the forefront. But I, I think right now, Jokic, Demar, flip a coin. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know what? I, I wouldn't be upset with you because Jokic is proving his value, as you said, without certain guys on his team. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's, it, it has always been one of my top benchmarks has always been who's the best player on the best team. And, you know, people will look at Chicago and talk about, you know, how they don't play defense as well as, as, as they could. And, you know, it, it's going to be tough for them in the playoffs, whatever. Well, hey, let's see what happens. But this is a regular season award. And I really hope that people aren't tainted by uh, DeMar's past history of, you know, a lack of success in the playoffs with Toronto and, and forget, about, uh, forget about that stuff. You know, it's a regular season award for what's happening now. And I, th- I think he deserves it. I also think he put some of that stuff to bed when the Raptors went to the conference finals and went to six games against the Cavs. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that, maybe that sentiment is still out there as it relates to DeMar. I, I, I think that's old news. Um, we were going to chat a little bit about Tiger Woods, but we're out of time. You hear the music playing, so maybe we can uh, dig into Tiger on tomorrow's show a little bit as we get set to close out the week and get set for All-Star Weekend in Cleveland as well. Thanks to everybody who joined us on the show today and for all of you for tuning in. And another reminder to make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones, download the podcast, rate, review, share as well. Back with our final show of the week on Friday. Tomorrow, more Smith & Jones. Have a good one.